This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Wednesday, October 2nd, 2019. Pretty busy day on Wall Street, huh? Pretty bad day on Wall Street. And, you know, we've been watching the news like everybody else. And, of course, you know, we know what's driving it right now. A little weakness, uh, some weakness in in uh, in manufacturing on yesterday's report from them showing it falling below the important 50% mark, meaning contraction. And that was the second month in a row is below 50%. This is the ISM manufacturing number. We're going to have the services numbers out next and tomorrow. I think it's tomorrow. Tomorrow Friday, I'm not sure. So the news does affect the market, the stock market. And, you know, there's a lot of variables in the market. There's, you know, politics affected, news affected, but basically it all comes down to earnings, corporate earnings. And we're in the earnings season right now. And, of course, I know you're listening to the show to get some unbiased guidance on how those things all affect each other. So what are the corporate earnings going to look like? I think they're not going to be the greatest. They're still going to be earnings, but we are in what is called an earnings recession because the last two quarters, earnings were less than the year ago earnings quarters. And I think this will be a third one in a row. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for joining me today. And I hope you'll call me as well. I hope so. And when you do, that you drive the show. You take charge of where the show goes, what shape it takes. It's up to you. Now, of course, I have talking points and things I want to discuss, and I will, but you do control the show. So our goal here is to help everybody and help you achieve financial freedom, everybody, all of us moving toward that goal. And we do that with a philosophy of independent thinking and sharing our successes, sharing it with everybody. Now, today, in this hour, I'm going to do my best to do that, to get us to that financial freedom. And, you know, we'll do it one question at a time, and that's up to you. Our anytime listener line is now open, and I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Now, let me take a minute to remind you, I will be, uh, I have some dates up here, so I will be in San Jose uh, next week on Thursday, October 10th, and, you know, I go up there quite often, and because of the good response I had from New York, I'll be going back to New York on November 7th, and I may have to open up a second day, like I did this last time. So I might be there on the 8th as well, but I haven't decided that yet. I'll talk to uh, Dina, our client relations director, tomorrow about that. Um, After San Jose and before New York, though, I will be in Southern California. Me and Justin are putting on a conference, a wealth conference. That's on Saturday, October 12th. Justin and I will lead the wealth conference Uh, And it's going to be in Irvine, California at our offices. The event is titled Investing in Real Estate, Stocks, and Bonds for Income. And there is limited seating available. So make a reservation at investtalk.com if you're going to make it and can make it into the Irvine area. My main talking point today, venture capitalists warn startups of IPO pitfalls. You know, if you want to take your company public, you don't have to go the IPO route. Did you know that? That's what we're going to discuss today. It's called a direct listing, by the way. Direct listing for you or for your company. You can do that. 
Now let's give you the pros and cons. Microsoft. Did you see Microsoft announce, announced a Surface tablet that is going to be also a smartphone? I'm going to talk about that in a little bit more details. ADP. ADP reported 135,000 new jobs. Remember, that's the private company's uh, um, uh, estimate of private sector jobs. We get the complete, the official jobs report on Friday. I think it's Friday. I know it's this week, tomorrow, Friday. Um, so that's going to be interesting. We'll talk about that in some more details. And other economic news that came out that is important. And for fun, uh, Kiplinger's uh, uh, put out their le- la- list of the least tax-friendly states and the most tax-friendly states. And the least tax-friendly states, believe it or not, California is not on the top 10. Not one of the top 10. That surprises me. <laughs> and, of course, it's not the most friendly. It's not on that list, ten, top 10 of that list, of course. But that's, it'll be interesting to share some of those states anyways. 888-99 charters are number. The market was not well today. The Dow was down 494 points. The Nasdaq down 123 points. And the S&P down 53 points. That was on top of a down day yesterday the, for the first two days in the October, the first two days in the fourth quarter. Not looking good for the first couple of days. We're being revisited by some pretty hefty volatility. So that's what we have facing us, everybody. Let's go to Joseph in Kentucky. He wants to talk about Nokia. How are you doing, Joseph? Hey, Steve. Thanks a lot for taking my call. How are you doing? Not good. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah. I can't say enough about the show. It's part of my pretty much my daily routine. Uh, I've told friends, and I've got Great. a couple of nephews that just turned 20 years old that uh, that they're checking me out on the podcast, which I was listening to you since high school, but uh, better late than never. But yeah, um, Thank you. I was just checking in. I was kind of curious, you know, about, as you know, 5G is coming out and probably not until late mm-hmm. 2020 to early 2021, we might not see the full potential of it. And I've noticed that Nokia has landed more 5G contracts, I think, more than anyone at this time. So I was really tempted, because I think it's close to a 52-week low, I was really tempted of buying maybe around 500 shares. Um, and I just wanted to get your your thoughts on the company because I know their stock price has been pretty lagging the last several years and see if there might be any turnaround with this 5G um, potential in the in the future. You know, I, I that it, that's a really good supposition. That's a, a good thought process. I, I like it, Joseph. I'm not sure if it's correct, but I like the thought process. You know, you're thinking about the future of the company instead of looking at the past. Nokia, everybody, the symbol's N-O-K. It's a Finnish developer of telecom infrastructure, mobile broadband D, broadband D technologies, and digital map networks. And 5G, is they, they are going to be a player. And Nokia has been doing terrible for a number of years. I mean, the stock hasn't gotten above eight, $8 per share for the last nine, 10 years. And right now, it's at $4.82. But that's all looking backwards, Joseph, and I'm very happy that you're looking forward. Looking forward, it looks like the 5G is going to benefit them to some degree. I'm not sure how much, but I am sure that their sales just the most recent quarter grew 5%. Before that, their sales were shrinking 2 to 3% for four or five quarters in a row. This most recent quarter, June quarter, grew 5%. Sales did. 
and earnings are projected to go up 54% next year to $40, a share, and it's a $4.82 stock. That means it's like 11, 12 PE. And what's its five-year range? 12 to 33. Now, I got some complaints about Nokia. They have not a very good return on equity. It's only 8%. That's pretty low. I don't like that part. But they have very low debt. I think it's a I think it's a strong possibility, a good play, Joseph, on the future of 5G and Nokia. Now, try not to buy it yet because it's still falling, okay? I'd like to see it stop falling. I mean, it, you know, it didn't fall as much today as it did yesterday, but it's still falling. It made us down 4.37% this week. So um, I like the thought process. Joseph, and I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a, 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 I think you should do it. Just don't bet the farm and wait till it stops falling. Let it turn sideways for a few days or up a few days, then step in. That's just a higher percentage of uh, that it hit a bottom. That's all that is. It still could continue down after that, but I'm just trying to play the odds. Joseph, thanks for the call. That was Nokia, N-O-K, everybody. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we present this program with five new shows each week, Monday through Friday, and it's broadcast and streamed live at the 4 o'clock hour Pacific time, 4 to 5. I hope you will tell your friends and family, and I thank Joseph for doing that. I do appreciate it. So, and whenever you have investment questions, I really encourage you to give us a call. Listen to the podcast, listen to the library of podcasts, and then give us a call if you have a question. And if you do listen to the podcast, I would love for you to rate us. You can iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, any, any of those services. And now I'm taking your questions live, 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and the market today was certainly a wild ride. You are working to achieve financial freedom, and Steve and Justin are ready to help with experienced and unbiased investing guidance. The Anytime Listener lines are open, and Steve Peasley is here now taking your questions live. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. And, of course, you know, every day I go over some uh, stats I'd like to report on. Two-year treasury, 1.492%. That's the yield. Yield on the 10-year treasury, 1.597%. So the spread is looking a little bit better. That's always good. Remember, we had an inversion, and that's the fear, an inversion. An inversion has always led to a recession some way down the road. No one knows you know, exactly when. doesn't mean it's going to be immediate. But most people are projecting within a year or so. I thought uh, over a year ago, I thought, uh, and I wrote it down and I sent it on my newsletters and on my annual letters to the clients that we're not going to, if we go into recession, it will be late this year or early next year. And it looks like my call might not turn out. Might be too soon on that. But that's what I said. I like to. I like to be honest about what I say and go back and revisit instead of say, well, I'm changing my mind. You know, yeah, well, that's life. You're wrong, you're wrong. Gold is at 1504, had a big bounce up today after having a struggle. Remember, gold it has been going up this year, even though the dollar is getting stronger and stronger. Usually, if the dollar goes down, gold goes up. Gold has gone up sharply in other currencies, 
If you had a yen, Japanese yen or, or the euro and you're trying to buy gold, you saw it skyrocket. Dollar, because it's so strong, it's, it's just moving up. Anyways, um, oil, $52 a barrel, down a dollar. Now, the storage of oil here in the United States has gone up 3.1 million barrels, and that means we're probably using less oil. We have been using less gasoline for a number of years. Every year, our gasoline consumption has kind of been shrinking, been going down slowly. But that doesn't mean the demand's not there. It just that means that you know, our cars are getting more efficient, and we're moving to more to electric cars, and it has some impact. Okay. So, a regular grade of gasoline, grade of gasoline is $2.66 a gallon across the country. $2.66. Boy, that's cheap. Here in California, it's $4.12. And to give you some perspective, a year ago, it was $3.76 per gallon. And why is our gasoline so much? Well, thanks to our government, California here, they increased the taxes this year. I think it was like 12, 13, 14 cents a gallon. What really irritates me about uh, gasoline and taxes is that we have to pay sales tax on taxes. There's federal excise tax, there's other kinds of taxes, and then we have to pay a sales tax on those taxes, not just the, for the gasoline. Gasoline itself is cheap, but when you start adding all the taxes, looks like we're doing what Europe's been doing. So, there's a lot of concern about the strength of our economy, you know, out there in the news. And it's very strong. I'm thinking the Fed's going to cut rates again later this month. That'll be the third cut. Remember I said that when they first started cutting, everybody thought this was one and done kind of. You heard that a lot. I said, well, historically, they've done four cuts or four increases in a row. Every time they change directions, it goes in that direction four times in a row. So, this, if they do cut it later on, that's to be three times in a row. And the manufacturing numbers had not been very good. Okay. Our next best talk, uh, is the Fed headed down a monetary path like Japan and Europe, creating a problem? Negative rates? We'll see. Five market dilemmas. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. The countdown has begun. We are less than two weeks away from the next KPP Wealth Management Conference, investing in real estate, stocks, and bonds for income. The event will be held on Saturday, October 12th, and hosted by Steve and Justin at their Irvine, California office. Limited seating available, so act now. Make reservations through investtalk.com. Steve Peasley is here now, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. Call Steve, 888-99-CHART. Thanks a lot for taking my call, Steve and Justin. I love the show. Uh, this is John in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I uh, just was curious. I actually work closer to Nashville for a startup, and we don't have a 401k plan just yet. But I do have about forty thousand dollars, right at forty grand, from an old four hundred one k that I had, and I was going to actually roll it over to my IRA. Being that the business cycle, the economy is at a stage where stocks are at all-time highs, I would assume that 
it's probably not smart to dump my money in the market all at once. Do you think dollar cost averaging that money on a monthly or weekly basis is best in the funds that I do have? And if so, what do you think the percentage would need to be per week as well or per month? Thanks a lot, guys, and I appreciate uh, your answer. Okay, yes, I do think, yeah, it's a good idea to roll it over into your IRA, and I agree that you should dollar cost average in. Because the market is acting odd and has been for a while here, last year or more. Uh, so I, I think you want to, if we want to be able to buy at lows, I mean, that's really what you want. But I can't tell you when that low will come. And, you know, how low is low? I, I might suggest maybe buy into an index fund every couple of weeks, okay, and buy in o- over that period of time for the next three to five months. You can see I'm stretching it out because I'm hoping that we'll get a low in that period sometime and you'll be buying things at the low. Uh, So I would suggest about a dollar cost average. Now, I'll tell you this. There's been studies that say dollar cost averaging doesn't work any better or any worse than dumping all the money at one time, as long as you have a long-term time horizon. Well, that's fine and good, but I think we can be a little bit sharper than that. So I would suggest every couple of weeks, divide that 40,000 by you know, how many weeks in the next, well, over four or five months, and then just constantly buy. And be happy. You should be happy when the market falls. You want it to fall so you can buy more shares at a lower cost. Really, that's really what you want. As long as your time horizons is out there five, ten years or more, it doesn't matter. The market has always had an upside bias over long periods of times. My main talking point today concerns uh, uh, venture capitalist warning startups of IPO pitfalls. Now, what does that really mean? Well, you know that you can take a company public, Okay, and it's usually by the IPO process. And what that what that means is is you contact a very large commercial bank, Wells Fargo, uh, Goldman Sachs, you're one of those guys, okay? And you you know, you want to take your company public through an IPO. That's the normal route that has been taken over long periods of time. However, studies have shown that 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 the the um, the bank now why do you go that route because it's easy to get it's a lot easier to get all your shares that you want out there in the public's eye quickly and the the big banks can attract mutual funds and big investors to buy your shares problem is is those same venture capitalist banks the banks that take you public uh, they usually uh, underprice the IPO so it pops up the first day who does that help that helps their big customers who they get to sell these things at IPO price. It doesn't really help you, the owner of the company who's trying to take an IPO. There's another way to take your company public, and that's what they're talking about. They're talking about a different way to do it. Um, and these are this is the venture capitalists, the people who start, you know, put initial money. That's how they get their money back by selling those shares. Remember, they put and pump money into these startups to get them going. And many startups go bankrupt. Don't think all of them are successful. No, most of them are not. But there is the alternative way is called a direct listing. 
and they list shares of their stock on the exchange without issuing new shares to raise new funds. These are not new shares. These are just stocks of the corporation that they already have, and they just issue them on the exchange, issue some on the exchange to be traded. And that's much, it's a slower way. You don't get a lot of cash out. But remember, insiders can't sell their stocks for six months anyways. The insiders have to wait six months before they can sell when they initially go IPO. So, you know, they get the IPO price pops up and then slides down. So they don't get really the benefit of, you know, that institutions get who bought the IPO size. So anyways, think about that. That's another way to do it. If you're listening to InvestTalk, you're obviously interested in achieving your financial freedom, right? Well, we have some super examples of that. Okay, we do. Forbes magazine is out with this list of wealthiest Americans, 400. They're f- and I have a quiz, a quiz question on about that. How many women are on the year's Forbes 400 list? And what percentage of people on the list are self-made billionaires? I'll have the answer next. And now I'm talking to you and taking your questions at 888-99-CHART. From sunrise to sunset. Hi, Steve. This is Carol in Alabama. From dusk till dawn. Hey, guys. It's Carl from Philadelphia. The questions keep coming. I had a question regarding portfolio yield. From down the street, around the corner, and across the country. Big fan of the podcast from New York here. I'm calling from the Chicagoland area. From Newport, Kentucky. Invest Talk listeners have one objective. This is Frank from the Bay Area. Financial freedom. Had a question on your opinion about this Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund. How they get there and when they get there is up to them. My question today is about diversification. But Steve Peasley and Justin Klein can help improve their strategy with unbiased investing guidance. I really thank you guys for all of your knowledge and wisdom. Listen live or download the podcast, investtalk.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Steve Peasley is here now. Ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. So I asked a quiz quiz question, a trivia question before the break. Okay. So how many women are on this year's Forbes 400 list? And what percentage of people on that list are self-made billionaires? Now, to be included in the Forbes Wealthiest Americans list, a net worth of $2.1 billion was required. So you had to have over $2 billion. Who got the biggest slice of financial freedom? Number one, the number one person is Jeff Bezos, CEO and founder of Amazon. And after his divorce, where he had to give $46 billion away, he still has a, he's still worth $114 billion. B, billion. Donald Trump. He's 275 on the list at $3.1 billion. How many women are on the list? Remember, this is 400. 56. What percentage of billionaires are self-made? 66.5%. So that means they did not inherit the billions of dollars. They made it themselves. 
63.5% were our founders of their own companies. That's how they made their billions. So that's the beauty of capitalism, everybody. You know, capitalism is a metrocracy, which means the elite group of people whose progress is based on their ability, their talents, not on their class privilege. Now, compare our system with Europe, for example. Their system has been a long history of aristocracies, which is a class of persons who are inherited, who have privilege, who inherit their class and their wealth. What's better? Ours is. That means anybody, anybody can make it to the top. Anybody can. 63.5% of these billionaires are self-made. They did it on their, with their talent, their smarts. That's the beauty of our system here in the United States. You can get ahead with, you know, just it takes determination, hard work. And yeah, you can fail, but you also can succeed. You can do both here in the United States, failure and success. But you get a chance. Many countries, you don't have a chance. Poor, stay poor. You are poor, you're born into poor poverty, you're going to stay poor. Here in the United States, you poor, born into poverty, you can work your way out of it. You have a path. That's why I think we have the best system in the world. Yeah, there's flaws. Of course, there's problems and flaws. Every system has that. But our, gives, our system gives the, mo, the vantage, the, the best shot for the most and broadest spectrum of people in our country. Anyways. So, you want to be a billionaire? Start your own company. That's kind of what it's telling me. Here's a caller from another question we come, had came in earlier. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Just curious to know what you think about the Tesla stock. I'm new to investing, and I'm trying to focus my portfolio on newer technology companies, uh, and I'm, I'm looking to invest in Tesla. Just curious on your thoughts. Thanks. Love the show. Okay. I don't like Tesla. We are shorting Tesla in one of our managed accounts, and not because I don't like their car. I, don't, I, li- I love their car. I think the all-electric vehicle is really nice. I just don't like their finances. I don't like their, their, their uh, they're, they're going to lose $3.47 this year, per share, lose. You know me, I don't like buy companies that lose money. Next year, they're scheduled to earn $4.03. But see, I've seen that over and over in the years. They're scheduled to make money next year. Then, of course, they lose money next year. Then they say, well, will it be a next year? I, I'm, I'm not buying them. They have huge debt. This is what worries me the most, is their debt level. Sales are doing pretty well. They reported after hours sales that did pretty good. Didn't quite meet expectations, so the stock is trading down after hours. But this is not necessarily a good, this is not a good stock to hold in your portfolio. See, I, I know people think, well, they got a great car, so why shouldn't I? Well, you know, it's not just about having a great car. You still have to make money. You know, they and their sales are growing, but, you know, they got to make money. And so far, they haven't proved a consistency of make money. They have proved a consistency of spending more than they make. And, you know, they keep coming up with different new ideas that cost billions of dollars more. They're great ideas, but at some point, you got to turn it around. I mean, this company's lost money every year okay 2014 they, and 13 they made a little bit of money but go back and that's they have made money since then that's why i don't care about the company 
Okay, most people, of course, are going. Uh, oh, okay, but, but, but here comes in. Okay, um, I got stuff on my computer here. Okay, okay, let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Daniel from New York. I'm 26 years old. I have a few, you know, about like three thousand dollars, I would say, saved up in my savings account. But as you know, the Fed's been cutting rates, and I just wanted to know, you know, it's obviously not smart to put it in a savings account because I'm not getting much interest on it. I was wondering where else I could put this money in so I could just basically leave it there for long term and pretty much not even worry about it. And I plan to constantly contribute more to it on a monthly basis. Looking forward to your response on the podcast. Love your show, guys. Take care. Well, if you haven't opened an IRA and you don't need to touch this money, I would open up an IRA and put it in an IRA. And then from the IRA, if you don't need to touch this for a long period of time, as I mentioned earlier, I probably dollar cost average if it's $3,000, maybe I buy a, I buy once a month $1,000 worth of you know an index fund, SPYs, S&P 500. And I don't know if you noticed, on the recent news, there's been everybody's cutting their trading costs down to zero. TD Ameritrade made the announcement last night or this morning. Their trading costs are going to be zero because Schwab already did it. And now I think E-Trade does it. No trading fees. I love that. I just love it. Anyways, um, so that you can buy it, you know, $100 worth and not have to worry about a fee. So you can split that $3,000 up to, you know, more, you know, six or seven tranches and buy the S&P 500 dollar cost average over time and just leave it alone and add to it every so often, you'll be just fine. Please expect to have downturns. The market will go down. The hard job is to ignore them. Don't let fear control you. Uh, there's only two emotions, fear and greed. We keep talking about that, right? Don't let those two emotions control your decision making. Okay, uh, this is Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peace, and I hope you are making the right choices with your money and your 401k. I hope so. Uh, you know, it's difficult. You know, it's hard to know, but just keep investing. In a 401k and you have a long time horizon, you're not going to be able to time the recessions or anything like that. You're just not going to be able to do it. Now, if you need help, we do have a program. Um, active, it's called the Active 401k Program that monitors and gives you advice of what to do with your 401k if you want some help. Again, it's called Active401k. It's at investtalk.com. You can check it out. Active401k. It helps you pick, tells you what to pick in your own, out of your own choices in your personal 401k. Tells you when to move, when to buy this versus that, that kind of thing. Active401k. Investtalk.com. And now I'm taking your questions live. 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. The economy is strong, mortgage rates are at or near historic lows, and the housing and real estate market is calling you. But just how can you, how should you become an investor in real estate? What is the best course of action based on your financial situation and risk tolerance? Should you consider a vacation rental investment? Or are you better suited for buy-and-hold transactions? And here's something all investors have to deal with. We are living in a no-yield world. So how can you safely get income from stocks and bonds despite a choppy market? You can register to attend 
the next KPP Financial Wealth Management Conference. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will lead the event, and they'll be joined by two real estate experts and a trust attorney. Get your questions answered efficiently at one time and in one place. Saturday, October 12th in Irvine, California. The KPP Wealth Management Conference. Seating is limited. Register now at investtalk.com. 888-99 Charlie, let's talk to Tim in Walnut Creek. How you doing, Tim? I'm doing well. How about you, Steve? I'm doing good. Thank you for the call. Uh, thank you. Uh, hey, um, I wanted to talk about uh, stock market or stock manipulation. Like, how frequent does that happen? Uh, my my example would be your favorite um, stock, uh, Tesla and Elon Musk, uh, where, uh, you know, an email, quote-unquote, leaked that they are going to have so-and-so uh, deliveries, and then their stock goes up uh, significantly, and lo and behold, their deliveries are much less than uh, the leaked email. And right. So I don't know if that's uh, just, um, you know, conspiracy theory, or does it happen? Um, it just happened that I have, no, like, it does, it, it, that I sold. It the, does happen. Go ahead. Okay. Tom, uh, Tim, it does happen. Now, uh, Elon Musk has been gotten a lot of trouble for doing just as you suggested, and they've been ta- he's been accused of manipulating stocks because of these emails and things, and that's why he's no longer the CEO. He can't be. The SEC has said, nope, you can't be anymore. He's still on the board, and you know he still talks, and so on and so forth. But there is manipulation or attempted manipulation. It's difficult. It, the bigger companies, it's very difficult to manipulate them. But the small ones, Tim... You know, I mean, we're talking about the micro caps or really tiny companies. They are all manipulated strongly. So you got to be really careful. The bigger the company is, uh, the harder it is to manipulate the stock price. But there's certainly attempts out there. You and I, we really don't, we really don't, can't do much about it. But there are companies, you know, the CEOs and, and the people in charge, Try in general, I try very hard not to mislead the public because they get sued too many times. So, so they really try hard not to do that. But you know, if anybody ever told you, oh no, there's no manipulation, they're lying. There's attempted manipulation quite often. Every so often, you see it reported and they get caught a lot. There's insider trading going on, they get caught a lot, but they're they get away with it. But I don't think it should stop you from investing. But I don't. I do think there's manipulation going on. Yes. Okay. Good question. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. Did you know that Microsoft Surface tablet that they're going to come out is going to also be a smartphone? Just so you know, this is Microsoft's third attempt at coming out with a smartphone. This time they're not really coming out with a phone. They're, you know, they're, they're going to, their new tablet's going to come out. It's going to be in about a year, by the way. The tablet's going to be using the Android system, not Windows, which I found very interesting. And again, the launch of this new tablet with the phone ability is going to be a year out. So that also gives them plenty of time to you know, change their mind, too. But Microsoft has been unsuccessful, unsuccessful in bugging into the cell phone business. And will it work this time? They're kind of gearing this to 
not individuals. You've seen, you know, the most obvious places I've seen the tablet in use is in football games on the sidelines, right? So they're just trying to they're trying to leverage the use of their tablets into being a phone too to try to get sales. Well, you know, maybe they will. I I don't like Microsoft necessarily for their hardware, their tablet. I'd like it because of their move into the the cloud, the the server farms they built. That's what I like Microsoft about. Anyways, just thought that was something I would share with you. The World Trade Organization, WTO, has backed the U.S. request for to impose tariffs on uh, $7.5 billion on Euro- of European goods. Now, this might spark a trade war, but our, remember, this is the World Trade Organization. You know, we have been fighting uh, Europe on their uh, Airbus. Okay, we have Boeing, they have Airbus. Problem is... They, a lot of governments in the EU, because Air, 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 have been p- pumping money into Airbus all this time and not requiring them to necessarily make profits. And that, we back in 2000, I think, four, you know, our government started to complain about that, that it's unfair practice. And WTO has agreed that it's unfair. So they have now said it's unfair, so you can charge $7.5 billion worth of tariffs to try and make it a fairer playing field. Now, mind you, don't think that we are all white and clean and don't do anything wrong ourselves. Yeah, there's WTO has also had plenty of verdicts against us. So, I don't, I don't know if this is going to be much of, a, any, of an issue. But, of course, Boeing has its own problems with their 737 MAX jets, MAX 8 jets, right? So, you know, it's just like, it's just one of a continuing back and forth trade disputes that are out there. The big one on the news now, of course, is with China and us, but, you know, they've always existed, always have. I mean, I remember back in the old days when I was young, Japan was the big abuser of free trade. You know, and that was because we uh, let them be that way because we wanted to help their economy after World War II. And when do you stop helping? Same thing is going on with China. We wanted China to, you know, to build up their their class and make and be part of the free trade world agreement. They're part of WTO to help them out. But now, now it's not time. I know, no, you're big enough to take care of your own self. Just like Japan got big enough to take care of themselves. You got to stop this. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom. We all want that goal. And the work continues. 888 99 Chart. On the next Invest Talk, is the Fed heading down a similar monetary path as Japan and Europe, creating a problem they are trying to solve? Five market dilemmas tomorrow. But now Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Felipe in Washington, D.C. I listen to your show. I uh, have a question about AGG, the Lehman Bond Fund. 
I'm wondering if you think it would be a good time to invest in it. It's had a good run this year, close to 10%. But, and, you know, they always say as interest rates go down, bonds go up. So my thought is the bond fund should go up from here. Just let me know what your thoughts are. Thanks. Well, the Fed lowers rates again, and I think they will. And actually, I think they will two more times. Uh, this should this fund should still do well. Uh, it, AGG is a symbol. It's iShares uh, core U.S. aggressive uh, core bonds. Exchange traded funds seeking performance corresponding to the Barclays U.S. aggregate bond index, not aggressive, but aggregate bond index. So it's tracking a bond index. So as long as interest rates are coming down, this should do well. But as you pointed out, it's already had a pretty long run. From November of last year at 102 to now 113. So is it how much farther can it go up? Well, it's probably getting kind of long in the tooth, but I still think it will work. It will work as long as the uh, long as the Feds uh, keep putting downward pressure on interest rates, and I think they are going to. So it hit, it it went up to about 113.75, fell down to 100, a little bit below 112. Now it's back up to 113.20, so it's making another run up. And if the Fed lowers rates and it's on this, I think they're going to uh, end of this month, whenever they meet next. I don't know exactly, and this should to continue to work. But I don't think it has a long time to run up. It's not going to run like it has in the past. It's not going to be that long of a run. Thanks. AGG is a symbol, everybody. Let's go to Joseph in Indianapolis. Want to talk some, wants to talk about Amazon. How you doing, Joseph? It's going well, uh, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, from yesterday, you were talking about the one analyst's opinion on Amazon with a 40% upswing. Uh, and um, I apologize. I think I have Fidelity. I, I, I think it's the ETF. It's either FTEC or FDIS. Uh, this particular ETF uh, has a close to 25% holding in Amazon. And, uh, you know, as a long-term play, I think Amazon will be strong. So instead of committing to buying a, a whole share of stock, if I accept this analyst's opinion, would, would that ETF be a good play since the holding is so heavy in Amazon stock? Well, it will still give you some diversification um, away from Amazon, but as you point out, it's pretty heavy in the Amazon stock. So if you feel strong about Amazon, it is a good way to invest in a stock that's not just Amazon, but heavy in Amazon. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. It depends on what else your portfolio looks like. Do you have other individual stocks or do you have other ETFs? And would this be a complement? Because if you're buying that particular ETF, it's focused in the tech area. And is that you know something that you need in your portfolio? Or is your portfolio already loaded with tech and you shouldn't be buying that kind of thing? You've got to make those kind of decisions. But if you're just talking about Amazon... I like Amazon for the long term. I think it's expensive, but I still think it could be continued to be expensive because it has the potential. Okay, I really do think it, you know it might be a good time even to buy Amazon. Could be. Okay, so good luck with it. I hope it works for you, Josh. AMZN is Amazon stock, by the way. Um, ADP said there was going to be 135. They said there was going to there it was 135,000 new jobs. In September, these are private sector jobs. The official report 
comes from the government, and it's going to include private sector and public sector. Now, 135,000 is not is not bad, but it certainly isn't strong. Okay, so new job production has been slowing down. We still have a lot of job openings out there, as I've been reporting on. So the job market still is fairly strong, fairly strong. And I don't know if you noticed motor vehicle sales yesterday was 17.2 million units. They expected 17 million. Last month was 17 million. So we had a pretty good sales number report. Pretty good. I'm Steve Peasley. This completes another Vestop program, everybody. I will return Friday with highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter. And please remember to sign up for KPP Wealth Conference. Remember, tomorrow, Justin will be here. Justin Glide. And so, I'll see you one week from now is our uh, Irvine Conference. I hope to see you there. It's a Saturday morning. Have a great night, everybody. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 